American Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. History for jerks. History, history for jerks. Samantha, that's a hickey. Stranger came in and slid his throat as well. Oh, oh, Terrible mess. I was covered in blood. 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 The smell of decomposition was obvious upon driving into the property. That's probably blood. blood. Get into the bathroom. What do you do? He shot on the bed. He shot on the bed. Shot on the bed. Covered in blood. Blood. Welcome to another episode of. American Timelines. I'm Amy. And I have a 48-inch waist. <laughs> That's Joe. And this is the podcast that brings you all the crazy, nostalgic, interesting things from the past. I get rashes in my creases. Oh, that's pleasant. I get an itchy belt line. That's a that's a way to add new new uh, listeners. A new visuals. There's a lot of people out there that are like, you know what? I've been wanting to listen to somebody who also has those problems. So today we are talking about 1966, and we are yes. in the very beginning of the, 1966. Yes, and if you don't understand what this podcast is, it's a true crime podcast uh, where one of us likes true crime, and the other one is forced to do a true crime podcast. And it's also a pop culture and comedy and fun podcast. And one of us likes fun pop culture, cool stuff. And the other one hates birthdays. Do, well, yeah. And, and alumni. And alumni. Mm-hmm. Most Americans love to talk about who went to high school together. Per, for, per, per chance, Marla Gibbs went to the same school as Nat, uh, Nat King Cole. All right. So what's the first? And that's an interesting tidbit. What's the first thing we're going to talk about today? Oh, wait. One more thing. Also, Kim Fields went to the same school as, uh, what was it, Vic Tabak? I don't know. What are you asking me for? <laughs> I think so. Anyway, I think it was something like that. So, you know, that's a cool thing. And I like those things, and Amy hates them. So you're usually on Team Amy or Team Joe and also... Um, Team Brent Nelson. Team Brent Nelson. He's clearly on your team. <laughs> anyway, he is Brent Nelson. Oh, I have a new. We have a new comment on Instagram from somebody in Spanish, and I translated it, and it's a positive comment. Oh, nice. Yeah, I just thought I'd just uh, let's lead with that, or should I end with it? Maybe. No, I'll lead with it real fast. Yeah, because we we'll forget. Um, I don't know how Instagram works. Oh, <laughs> it's gonna take us no, hey, you get minutes. like. Uh, Notifications, yeah. Uh, here we go. Somebody named Carl Carl Angeloid, C A R L A N G A L O I D E. He commented, "Chi muy bueno sus podcast exitos." It's yes, very good podcast. Ex- Is that what chi means? Chi means yes. Is it C? C H E E E. Oh, I don't know what that means. She muy buenos sus podcast exitos. Exitos means successful. Very good podcast. Very good your podcast. Successful. Cool. Yep. No Is way. That great? No way. That's a bot. No, it's a it's someone named. Let's let's look at the person. Well, no, let's not. They have a picture. People. They have one post. 
They have 172 followers. And their one post is, <laughs> it looks to be an accidental picture taken <laughs> yes, <it does. laughs> in their wallet, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe it's a bot. Anyway, but it's a comment. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, they like us. So thank you for listening, Carlos. Yep. And also, thank you to Melissa K. Shout out to Melissa K for giving us a review nice. on iTunes, Apple nice. Podcasts. Yes, that Melissa was nice K rules. She's nice. She says she knows somebody who knows us, but we didn't say who, but that's cool. We want to give her a shout out. So just so you know, if you want one of these fancy shout outs, yeah. all you got to do, do is... Is give us a you can five be, star review. Yeah, you can be Brent Nelson. Yeah, if you want us to ridicule you for uh, weeks on end, <laughs> just say something terrible about us. Yes, uh, and we will just uh, sing to you, and Amy will love you, or whatever. Okay, so what's the first thing we've wasted enough okay. time? Yeah, so we're in in 1966, and we only finished one month. We did a lot of those things that we don't know what day right they happened, and so Petula Clark takes over the number one spot. With a song called My Love. Mm-hmm. I don't remember this one. And I don't really have anything interesting to say about that, except that uh, the guy who wrote it, mm-hmm. uh, Tony Hatch, was on an airplane uh, and from London to L.A., and this American next to him uh, was asking about the song that he was writing, and it was called The Life and Soul of the Party. And that guy said he didn't understand what that meant. Mm-hmm. So he wrote a new song called My Love. Okay. It made it real simple. And it was this song by Petula Clark. Mm-hmm. And then on February 8th, 1966, and February 9th, the National Hockey League awarded two new teams to the NHL. Mm-hmm. Hockey was growing. Oh. Pittsburgh's team, do you know what that is? They Penguins. got a new team. The Pittsburgh Penguins. And that wasn't the first NHL team in Pittsburgh. Oh. Did you know that? No, I did not. The first one only played for a couple years in the 30s, I think. And it was the Pittsburgh Pirates. Original. Oh, isn't the Pirates something else? Now? They they play baseball. Oh, but they use the same logo, the P for the Pirates. Uh, well, the Pittsburgh Pirates were a hockey team originally. Oh, no, same logo. Same logo, it's, and and they okay. also had Bill Madlock. Okay. Who later played for the Pirates baseball team? What? No, I'm just You're kidding. Bill Madlock. Bill Madlock probably wasn't even alive then. All right. Bill Madlock. Okay. What's next? Bill Madlock and Willie Stargell are the greatest Pittsburgh Pirates ever. And also the other hockey team, uh, Minnesota North Stars. Oh, are they still around? No, they well, they're not called the Minnesota North Stars. Mm-hmm. Here's a funny thing. You know how I hate when teams move and yes. they keep the same name and it doesn't make sense? Like the Los Angeles Lakers bothers me. Mm-hmm. There's no lakes in Los Angeles. Right. They were a Minnesota team. Right. There's a million Minnesota lakes. Team. Minnesota, Minnetonka. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know how there's a bunch of lakes in Minnesota? Yes. Yeah, did, so that I would make sense, that. the Lakers. So this is another one. The Minnesota North Stars, that makes sense. That's like a cool northern name. Yes. They moved to Dallas. And they stayed the North Stars? No, this was actually a good move. They changed it to just the Dallas Stars. Okay, that makes sense. So that's more acceptable. Yeah. At least they took out the North. Yeah. But then since, Minnesota has a new team. Okay. Called? They're called the Minnesota Southern Sunsets. No, they're not. You're <laughs> Southern, things up Southern Mexican beaches. Yeah. No, I think it's the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, okay. Or the Lynx. Don't look at me for any affirmation. There's a Wild and there's a Lynx. I'm not sure. Minnesota Lynx. I think that's the WNBA team. But Who cares? I don't really watch hockey. No, let's move on. Anybody who likes hockey, go ahead and tweet us at History right. for Jerks. 
a picture of your penis. No, we're done. Oh, no, I mean, sorry. Don't no, tweet us who the Minnesota hockey team is. Oh, my God. But you could put the name of it over a picture of your penis. No, we're not having that. This is. I'm actually just asking Brian McCartney because he's a hockey Okay. Fan. Anyway, and then February 19th, 1966, Lou Christie takes over the number one spot on the Billboard charts. You know who Lou Christie is? I've never heard of him. Lightning Strikes? Oh, I know that song, yeah. How does it go? Lightning striking again. Boy, I'd never like to hear that again. Well, you asked. It's my best. It's the best I can do <clears throat> right now. Well, did you know that that song featured backing vocals from Bernadette Carroll Peggy Santagilia and Denise Ferry of the Delicates. Who cares about that? I don't know. I thought maybe you did. Don't you love the no, Delicates? Never heard of them. I looked up the Delicates and how each one of them died and oh, all their stop spouses. It. You don't want to go no, into that. No, we're not. All right. And then February <coughs> February twenty fifth, nineteen sixty six. Mm-hmm. We have uh, the birth. Of somebody who went to school with Felicity Huffman and Tim Daly. Uh, the birth of a very important American, super important uh, role model in society, mm-hmm. Tia Leone. Oh, God. Her mom, uh, Emily Ann, was a dietitian and nutritionist, and her father, Anthony Pantaleone, was a corporate lawyer with the firm Fulbright and Jaworski. Who cares? But they shortened it from Pantaleone to Leone to get Tia Leone. All right, we're moving on. Just a little Tia Leone trivia, no, y'all. Having, There's a lot of our listeners that nobody, love Tia Leone. Nobody. One of our listeners loves does. Tia Leone. One of our listeners does. Who? Brandon Wilhelm. Oh well, maybe. And he's a very upstanding person. He's got a corner office and a Chicago Sky Rise at the American Bar Association. Yeah, he's pretty. He's got a pretty cush, doesn't he? He's done a good things for himself. Yeah. He's an important person. He's shaped up. People. Look up to him. All right. What's next? He knows a lot about beer. February 26, 1966, mm-hmm. Nancy Sinatra oh, yes. takes over the number one spot the on the Billboard charts. And that's just, just what, what they'll, they'll do. One of these days, days these boots are going to walk all over you. A lot of people don't know this, but the original version was these boots are made for Christopher Walken. Uh, and that was originally it was going to be a song about uh, custom-made boots for Christopher Walken. Uh, but they figured a lot of people uh, would relate more to uh, boots that are just made for walking for anyone. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, that's actually true. No. You don't believe it? Would you prefer these boots are made for Willem Dafoe? These boots are made for Willem Dafoe, and that's just what they'll do. What's, what is the next item up for bid? Up for bid? Are you going to bid on something? Yep. I do have something really <clears throat> for Nancy Sinatra. Okay. Uh, Lee Hazelwood intended to record the song himself, saying it's not really a girl song, but Nancy Sinatra talked him out of it, saying, coming from a guy, it was harsh and abusive, but it was perfect for a little girl to sing. Hazelwood agreed. And Sinatra's recording of the song was made with the help of L.A. session musicians known as the Wrecking Crew. Sweet. Not to be confused with Dr. Dre's Wrecking Crew, who did the Cabbage Patch later on in the 80s. Well, it's true that 
that it would be a lot harsher if a man was singing those lyrics. Yeah, it yeah, it, it sounds more work. abusive. Yeah, it wouldn't work. Which was probably acceptable back then. Right, true. Because you're supposed to hit women. Well, then. the Beatles had a couple songs that were, you know. I'd Run for your see, life. Yeah, I'd yeah. rather see you dead. I'd rather see you dead, little girl, than mm-hmm. to see you. But I think that's supposed to be. Well, and what's that police song, the Every Breath You Take? Yeah, the Stalker, stalker song. Stalker, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's a good song. These boots are made for walking, and Christopher Walken will walk out the door with them. Mm-hmm. And then February, February, I think is how you pronounce it, no. 28th, U.S. astronauts Charles Bassett and Elliot C. are killed in a plane crash in St. Louis, Missouri. Really? Bassett and C. were killed when their T-38 trainer jet, piloted by C., crashed in a McDonnell Aircraft Building 101 known as the McDonnell Space Center, located 1,000 feet from Lambert Field Airport in St. Louis, Missouri. I know where that is. You do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, Building 101 was where the Gemini spacecraft was built, and they were going to go there to train for two weeks in a simulator. Mm-hmm. They actually, because of the plane crash, they died within 500 feet of their spacecraft. That's weird. That they were going to train in. Isn't that weird? Yes. So Bassett was decapitated, and his head was found in the building's rafters. What? Yes. No Isn't that crazy? Way. I figure you'd love that because you love decapitations Ugh. and gross yes, stuff. Yes, because there's nothing grosser. I mean, there's nothing more shocking. Both men were buried in Arlington National Cemetery. Uh, a NASA investigative panel later concluded that pilot error caused by poor visibility due to bad weather was the principal cause of the accident. Wow. Uh, they concluded that C was flying too low to the ground during a second approach, probably as a result of the poor visibility. Yeah. So, have you ever seen a decapitation? No. What do you What do you think? There's you a mean? lot of videos out there now because of oh, all these God. all these no. <coughs> American. Have you? No. There. Remember that one that was going around? It was about. Was it not Saddam Hussein? But it was somebody like that. Uh, or there was a. Some American hostages that were beheaded, and they put it on national TV or whatever. Oh my and you, god! You can see, you can watch it online. You can. And people were watching for a while. There was like people. I can't remember who I was talking to about the, uh, who I was talking about this too. But there was a lot of people, and it was in the news. And people were like, "Did you see the video? It was going viral." And I just, I had a chance to see it, but I just couldn't oh, do it. I yeah. didn't want. I just couldn't do it. No. I thought about like I just out of I curiosity, I want to see what it looks like. Right, but right, I, on but one bet, side, but on the other side, it's like you can't unsee it once you've seen it. Right. And it's burned in your brain. I, I guess I just want to know, does like Game of Thrones and those things, is it pretty close? I do remember seeing a oh, a picture of a head. Really? Oh. It was a guy had, it was the early days of Snopes. It was so early that I was I would just read the Snopes website when I worked at the AMA. And <laughs> You just read the Snopes? Yep. You could probably do that again. Yep. And the guy um, was being chased by the cops, and he jumped in. You mean the one time he he jumped in um in a wrought iron fence, oh. and his the back of his skull oh no got stuck on the oh. top of the one of the tines of the wrought iron fence and separated and from his separated body from his body, oh. and the picture was a picture of the head on the on the spike oh. on the on the thing, and it was a true. Did you saw the picture? Yeah. Was it like fresh? Like gross stuff coming out of the head? Kind of. I mean, it was. It was black and white or color? Color picture. Ugh. It was gross. Did that 
get you kind of excited. Oh, stop. You like this stuff. You're such a weirdo. I'm saying you like this. No. I don't like this. You like this stuff. So I've never seen a, a decapitation. You wouldn't, you wouldn't watch a video of it. No, I don't think I could. Like, if say you were watching a show, and then they said it was a documentary, and they said, this next clip is going to be disturbing to some. We're going to show a decapitation. Would you turn I, it I, off I, or I look away? Look or? away, probably. I would barf and walk out of the theater or the room I was in. Really? And hit whoever is in charge, whoever's got the remote. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's next? Friday, March 4th, 1966 is the published date of an article mm-hmm. uh, in which John Lennon was interviewed stating that uh, the Beatles were bigger than Jesus. Yes, that's right. This became a big controversy. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea was that he, he was trying to say the public was more infatuated with the band than with Jesus and the Christian faith was declining to the extent that it might be outlasted by rock music. Mm-hmm. His opinions drew zero controversy when originally published in the London newspaper, The Evening Standard, Yeah, in March, but drew angry reactions from Christian communities when republished in the United States that July. In the puritanical United States. Right, yeah. yeah. So the U.S. is always as outraged. Mm-hmm. Nation of outrage. Uh, Lennon's comments incited protests. That's like nothing new. That just shows you that yeah. that nation of outrage shit is nothing new. It's, yeah, it's just been that ha- social media gives them a platform now. Yeah, it's been happening forever. Yeah. And you're right. It's just like more common because everybody's got a phone in their hand with mm-hmm. Twitter, that instant knowledge to share with everyone. And everybody can take videos of everything and, and then take it the video out of context. And, and be offended by everything and everybody says. And then people says. see it and they get all offended when they don't even know what the real story is. And yeah. His comments incited protests and threats, particularly throughout the U.S. Bible Belt. Some radio stations stopped playing Beatles songs altogether. Records were publicly burned. Press conferences were canceled. And the KKK picketed concerts. Okay. Again, one of these other situations where, you know, the... The uh, the bell doesn't go off in someone's head that, oh, the KKK is against this, and so am I. Maybe there's something wrong here. Yeah, maybe I'm on the wrong side if I'm yeah. on the same side as the KKK. Nobody thinks that. No. The controversy coincided with the band's 1966 U.S. tour and overshadowed press coverage of their newest album, mm-hmm. Revolver. That's a good one. Which is a great album. Yep, it is. Lennon apologized at a series of press conferences and explained he was not trying to compare himself to Christ. And you can actually watch a lot of these. There's more than one of these press conferences the Beatles did mm-hmm. about this, just apologizing. And you can just tell they're just, after a while, they're just, they, what else can we say? We didn't mean it that way. What We've apologized. And yeah, like, what can, else do you want us to do? From can it? we talk about something else? Yeah. And it's just like question after question after question. And it's, it's interesting to watch and see them in real time talking about this. Mm-hmm. They kind of, sometimes they don't take it too seriously. They're just trying yeah. to, like, this is absurd, you know, they're goofing around. There's a lot of questions asking about drugs and stuff. And uh, they're, it's kind of neat to see those mm-hmm. videos. There's so much out there now. Right. There's so much media everywhere now. YouTube, like you can really just watch YouTube. I could watch YouTube for a month straight probably of just historical Our children things. do. Oh, I know, but they don't watch anything. They watch no, stupid, they watch ridiculous stupid crap. Things. They watch idiots opening packages of stickers and yeah. and repainting squishies yeah 
but there's so much out there. Like you could watch, you can watch the presidential debates from the '60s all the way through now. Like right. JFK and Nixon, you can watch the whole if, debate. <laughs> that's like, not something I would want to spend my time doing. Oh, but... my kids are gonna. That's their punishment. It's you're punishment. watching YouTube, but you're watching this Nixon and JFK debate. There you go. It is weird idea. though, because if you watch those debates, they're debating the same topics. Yeah, that same are still that relevant. Debate. Yep. You know, gun control and uh, immigration and all that's weird. It's like we're in this loop. Yeah, it's true. Anyway, uh, the this controversy exacerbated the band's unhappiness with touring, which they never undertook again. Yeah. Lennon also refrained from touring in a solo career. But they did say they didn't like touring a lot of times because before this because you couldn't hear anything because all the kids were screaming so much. Yeah, they couldn't hear their music anymore. Yeah, so what's the point, what's the point of it, I guess? But yeah. They must have made a lot true. of money, though. I mean, and the dumb girls in the audience are just deafening, deafening each other. Yeah. But they could... It's weird juxtaposition of the music industry. They could stop touring and just make money off of album sales. Yeah. Now we're in a world where, you know, streaming and everything and they can't. Can everything's they? free, so they people have to tour. They have to tour. I think they have to tour because albums. I think don't make anything. Yeah. Um, maybe they'll get to a point where these streaming services cost enough, but it, like for ninety nine cents a song, like. Yeah. I don't know. I can't see how that's sustainable. So I think that's why there's more tours now. Mm -hmm. I, th I think there's more tours, I assume. Yeah, maybe. And that you know, the big wigs like Billy Joel and Elton John tickets are hundreds of dollars. That's true. So I have a can... friend who goes to Madonna every place she goes and Wait. like sees her. She follows Madonna? Yes, she follows Madonna. How does she get tickets? She's like one of the number one fans. And, like, she's got this group of gay guys that she goes to all of these Madonna concerts with. All across the country? Yeah. She goes to New York. I mean, maybe not all across the country, but she's always posting. New York, Madonna, you know, wherever Madonna is. She, Vegas and wherever. I would think it's the same show every time. It is. Huh. She loves Madonna. She must just have a lot of money to burn. I don't know. I don't think she does. Well, she must. No, I think she just, that's what she chooses to spend it on. Well, I mean, you have to have a lot of money to be able to do that, wouldn't you say? I don't know. I have no idea. You know, that incoming inequality in this country is <laughs> right. And then March 5th, 1966, Barry Sadler takes over the number one spot on the Billboard chart. Amy's all-time favorite singer. Never heard of With him. her all-time favorite song, The Ballad of the Green Berets. Oh, is that a military? Here are some lyrics. Fighting soldiers from the sky, fearless men who jump and die, men who mean just what they say, the brave men of the Green Beret, silver wings upon their chests. All right, chest. I'm done. These men are America's best. Yeah, I'm done. You're done? I'm done. It was a patriotic song in a ballad style? Yes. About the United States Army Special Forces. It's one of the few popular songs of the Vietnam War years to cast the military in a positive light. Oh, and true. in 1966 became a major hit. It was written by then Staff Sergeant Barry Sadler, beginning when he was training to be a Special Forces medic. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. All right. The lyrics were written in part in honor of U.S. Army Specialist James Gabriel Jr., a Special Forces operator and the first Native Hawaiian to die in Vietnam, who was killed by Viet Cong gunfire. Oh, wow. Training mission. Yeah. So there we go. 
it's okay. weird for that to be a number one song. And then that brings us to March 15th, 1966. And I understand that you have a little well, yeah, nugget, a little tidbit. I got a little two. Story to I, tell got, us. I got two kind of shorty stories. Shorty. You're my shorty. So this is the first of the two kind of shorties. Okay. Okay. This is the story of the Pied Piper of Tucson. Move it closer. There you go. Okay. The Pied Piper of Tucson, Arizona? Yes. Okay. Oh. I would like to listen to this story. Okay, so there was I hope was it this has a happy ending. Man named Charles Howard Schmidt Jr. Okay. And he was a very short man. He was about 5'3". Oh, that's short. Um, did to, he have like a Napoleon complex? He did. Well, to make up for it, he bragged nonstop. Oh, boy. He wore makeup and oversized cowboy boots, which he stuffed with socks, rags, and crushed tin cans to add inches. That's not a bad idea. The tin cans I think would be it, it made him walk funny. Oh, yeah, I guess it would. When all and, and make sounds. Like, think of the tin cans yeah, sound. I know. When, when all that failed to pump his ego, he turned to murder. Murder? Yes. Murder. In the early 1960s, Schmid, or Sh- Smitty, as he was known. Smitty or Schmid- Schmitty? I think it's Smitty. Schmitty? Smitty. Smitty. He hung around a sleazy strip in Tucson, Arizona, known as the Speedway. The Speedway. When he did this, he hid his naturally handsome face behind dark tan pancake makeup. Wait, so he did have, he was handsome. Yeah, he was, he wasn't unattractive. Oh, just short. Yeah. And he would wear dark tan pancake makeup. That's weird. White lipstick and his, and white dye, lipstick. Is dye that a his thing? his hair jet black. Mm-hmm. White lipstick? Yep. Especially know. in the 60s. It really? Was, he even had a large beauty mark drawn on his cheek made from putty and axle grease. What? That is odd, isn't yes. it? Yes. That wasn't popular in the Very, 60s. Well, they had people are were starting to be kind of far out in some societies. Really? And, like yeah. the Clash and the Cure type of thing? No. Um, in the 60s? I don't know. More like Twiggy and like you see oh. like people would draw, you know, they would paint stuff on their bodies. And oh, it was yeah, like uh, laughing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, who was that? Uh, Goldie Hawn. Oh my gosh, white lipstick. So it turns your lips completely white. white. So anyway. Sorry, I thought I was just, couldn't picture it. He would tell wild tales of sexual conquests. He would, one of the things he would always say, are you listening? Yeah, sorry, I was okay. getting distracted by a I white know lipstick. You one of the things he would always say is, I can manifest my neurotical emotions, emancipate an epicurial instinct, and elaborate on my heterosexual tendencies. Uh, that was a, like a whole thing he would say. Yeah, like a saying. Yeah, huh? So he was elaborate like on my heterosexual tendencies. So he just tell all his sex stories. He he just made strung big words together. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I can see him. Somebody saying like that, kind of like a cool hip cat yes, type of way. That's kind of. What can you say it one more time, like more of a cool hip cat? No, I'm not going to do that. No. Okay. So out of high school for years, he had never bothered to get a job. Okay. He lived in a he lived on handouts from nice. his parents. Who paid the rent on his cottage and covered living expenses. Oh, got a silver spoon in his mouth, as they say. He does. So nevertheless, Ricky he Schroeder was... Ricky Schroeder style. Smitty was a known ladies' man. Oh, ladies' man. This power over women later prompted newsman Don Moser to name him the Pied Piper of Tucson. So the Pied Piper is not mice, it's ladies. Yes. He's a ladies' man, He was everybody. never without a female to fawn over him. 
That'd be nice. In spring 1964, that female was Mary French, a dumpy 17-year-old girl. (laughs) A dumpy 17-year-old girl, everybody. That's a flattering way to describe her. Mary French. Yes. Dumpy 17-year-old. Dumpy 17-year-old. On May 31st, during a beer binge with Mary and another buddy named John Saunders. Yeah, May 31st. Yep, May 31st. May 31st, 1964? Um, yeah. Oh, wait, whatever you're about to tell me happened the same day that Daryl McDaniels is born in Hollis, Queens, born to an unwed mother who surrendered him, surrendered him to the New York foundling home. And, uh, he was a ward of the foundling and foster care, um, he was, in foster care, he was placed with the, with the McDaniels and eventually adopted by them. He went to Rice High School, same school as Kemba Walker, and enrolled in St. John's University. All right. Yes. You know who that is? Yes, Run I'm DMC. DMC in the place yeah. to be. I went to St. John's University, and since kid of God, and I acquired the knowledge. And after 12th grade, I went straight to college. Okay. Sorry. That's DMC, one of the greatest rappers of all time, one of the greatest bands, Run DMC. He was born that day. That's Greatness right. was being birthed okay on that day he was having a beer binge with mary and another buddy named john saunders wow that same day he blurted out i want to kill a girl oh just out of nowhere yeah and so so mary was eager to help him lure the victim eileen Rowe, a 15 a high school sophomore oh what this girl just dumpy 17 year old just gonna help him find somebody she's in love with him so she will do whatever you know, there's nothing more scary than a dumpy 17-year-old in love. That's right. So that night, French, dumpy. French persuaded the girl to sneak out of the house after her mother, a night nurse, left for work. The girl, the, the, the victim's mother. Right. Uh-oh. French said they were going to a party. Uh-oh. So oh, my gosh. This is crazy. Instead, Smitty, Saunders, and French drove Roe into the desert where the men raped her and then Ugh. cracked her skull with a rock. Oh, gross. She had been wearing curlers in her hair, and French dug a hole and buried the curlers while the men buried her corpse. Uh, They buried the curlers in a different place? Yes. Soon after (sighs) Aline's disappearance, detectives questioned Smitty. I thought you said this. Didn't you say this was going to be a rape-free episode? I thought it was, but then I did some more research. Okay. Yeah. So um, Chock full of rape this episode. Yeah. Episode 93. So detectives questioned him right after the disappearance, but he said he knew Aline and had planned to take her to a party that night, but that she didn't show up. So Schmitty lied. And Mary French backed him up. So as time passed, John Saunders joined the Navy, and Smitty got a new buddy named Richie Bruns. Okay, so John Saunders is out of the picture. Yes. Richie Bruns is yes. the new And he's lackey. this reform school oddball um, type. Reform school oddball type. We got a dumpy 17-year-old yes. and a reform school oddball. That's right. Smitty told Richie all about the killing. All right. So he trusted him then. So Smitty, and meanwhile, also found a new woman named Gretchen Fritz, who was 16. Gretchen Fritz. She was the troublemaking daughter of a wealthy Tucson heart doctor. Uh-oh, that sounds like trouble. She was blonde and slender. She caused trouble in her private school where she scared her teachers. Ah, uh, troublemaker, scaring the teachers always. Wild parties, drinking, and stealing were among her favorite things Uh-oh, to do. Uh-oh, partying, drinking, stealing. Potty and bullshit. That's what potty and bullshit is. So this relationship was doomed from the start. They loved to hate each other, and their on-again, off-again romance worried Smitty because he 
had blabbed to to Fritz about the killing, and he was worried oh, that if he they told her up, wait, she, she would still tell. dated him, even knowing knowing that he's a stone cold killer. Yeah, on August sixteenth, nineteen sixty five. Oh, August sixteenth, nineteen sixty five, the same day that the AFL awarded its first expansion franchise called oh, I don't know, a little something called the Miami Dolphins. Yes. And the same day that I've Got a Secret was on TV? Yes, that day. Um, Gretchen Fritz told her parents she was taking her 13-year-old sister Wendy to an Elvis Presley movie. They never returned. It seemed like the girls, like Eileen Rowe, had just disappeared. Police thought they were runaways, but Smitty's big mouth would give the police a break. Uh oh, two disappearances around one guy. As he had, as with he had with the earlier kid- killing, Smitty blabbed to Bruins about murdering the Fritz sisters. <sighs> this time, he asked Bruins for help burying the bodies, yeah. which he had left rotting in the desert. Ugh. So they trekked out to the desert, and after struggling to dig a hole, simply left them in the vegetation nearby. They just left them sitting yes, out because the, the the ground was too hard, and oh, they had a flat and the shovel. Desert. So they kept trying to dig, and it was they couldn't do it. So they, they just, just put gave them up. in the bushes, basically. And they figured nobody all the buzzer to lead them. Yep, Bruns kept the secret until he became infatuated with a girl and started getting paranoid that she was next on the list. Oh, just because she's hanging around that group? Yes, he's going to murder her. By October 1965, he had called police and soon led them to the graves. He also talked about Smitty's boasts about killing Aline Rao. Oh, no. He Pol- talked to the police about that? He told yes. the police? Yes. Uh-oh. Police rounded up French and Saunders, who confessed about the Rowe killing and agreed to testify against their former friend. French was sentenced to five years, and Saunders got life. Wow. The dumpy 17-year-old got five years, and Saunders got life. At his trial for the Fritz murder, which started on February 15, 1966, Smitty appeared to be average and clean cut even. Gone were the mole, the makeup, and the bizarre attire. The wholesome veneer, however, did little to sway the jury. After Uh-oh. two hours, they found him guilty and worthy of the death penalty. Well, yeah, I think you can't be bragging about stuff like that and not get caught. A significant weakness in the Roe case was the absence of a body. Oh. Saunders and French had led police to the spot in the desert where they had buried Roe. Yeah. But while they could find cur- the curlers, they couldn't find the grave. Really? Even with lack of a body and the services of F. Lee Bailey. F. Lee the, Bailey was involved? Yes, the defense team could do no better than a murder to plea. Smitty was sentenced to 50 years to life. 50 years. Within a month, Smitty asked for a new trial offering to produce Rose's body. That would be proof, he said, that she was not killed by a blow to the head, as Saunders testified. He knew the exact location because without knowing, without his pals knowing, he had reburied the girl. Oh, that's why. So they did take her out, and they did another autopsy, but it confirmed Saunders' story. So there was no retrial. So I wonder why he wanted to go through all that rigmarole. He's crazy. After 1971, when Arizona abolished the death penalty, it looked as if Smitty was destined to spend decades behind bars. Because he was still on death row? Yeah. But in 1975, two inmates cut his sentence short by beating and stabbing him to death. Oh, they killed him in jail? Yes, and his bizarre life Hopefully inspired they raped him too. a story called Where Are You Going, Where Have You Been by Joyce Carol Oates. Oh. And it was later adapted into a film, Smooth Talk, starring Laura Dern. Well, Laura Dern, y'all. And I got most of this information from the NewYorkDailyNews.com website. Credit and props where credit and props I do. Yes. And that's well, my first Did anything happen stories. on March 10th, 1975? I cut out a lot of it. Oh, okay. I cut out the fat. 
trimmed that was fast. good see that was a very succinct story and it didn't meander at all and there were some new bits here right that i didn't hear last time you told this you weren't listening last time yeah but no there were some things that were different oh okay yeah there was it's true of course nobody knows we did this once before we tried to record last night but the software had a software error yes okay what's next March 16th, 1966, mm-hmm. Gemini 8 yes. docks with Agena target vehicle, an Agena, an Agena target vehicle. What? I just want to say docking. David Scott and Neil Armstrong mm-hmm. dock with each other. And then the last Studebaker production facility is closed. All gone is the They closed its Hamilton plant. That was the end of the Studebaker. I wish I had a Studebaker. They had closed their South Bend, Indiana plant earlier. Yeah. Uh, after insufficient sales of the 1964 models and the ousting of President Sherwood Egbert, the company announced the closure of the South Bend plant in 1963 mm-hmm. and produced the, its last car. In South Bend on December 20th, the shutdown of the plant, whose workforce was nearly a quarter African-American, hit that community especially hard. But now here in 66, they finally closed the Hamilton plant. Okay. And uh, Studebaker was originally mm-hmm. producer, a producer of wagons, buggies, carriages, and harnesses back in the 1850s. Oh, Did you know I didn't know that? that. Didn't know they went back that far. 1852 was the first Studebaker. Pretty, pretty sweet. Hey, is that a Studebaker wagon there? Pretty sweet. Yeah, see, you're Studebaker. All right. Put him up. What's next? March 19th, 1966 was a Saturday, and the Texas Western Miners defeated the Kentucky Wildcats with five, count them, five African-American starters, ushering in desegregation and athletic recruiting. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, so you think you think about this. Every college basketball game before that was a bunch of white guys. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, the Texas Western Team brings they, in five black guys who probably uh, just probably di- oh I bet they just the score was three hundred and seventy two to one yeah I bet and it was one they foul shot the floor. I made no I don't know I should have looked up the score but um yeah pretty cool white men can't jump true March twenty sixth nineteen sixty six while demonstrations are held across the United States against the Vietnam War mm-hmm. Italian American. Dan Imperioli, who's a bus driver and an amateur actor, and his wife, Claire Imperioli, an amateur actress, welcome a child into the world. Michael Imperioli, American actor known for The Sopranos, is now born and thrust into the world to save humanity from bad acting. Stop. Michael Imperioli's birthday, y'all. And then March 28, 1966, Mm -hmm. Indira Gandhi visits Washington, D.C., Mm-hmm. And then March 29th, 1966, mm-hmm. the 23rd Communist Party Conference is held in the Soviet Union. Leonid Brezhnev demands that U.S. troops leave Vietnam, and he announces that Chinese-Soviet relations are not satisfying. Oh, okay. Brezhnev, do you know, are you familiar with Brezhnev? I know he was the Soviet leader. He was the fifth leader of the Soviet Union? Yes. Uh from, he led from 1964 until his death in 1982. His 18-year term as general secretary was second only to Joseph Stalin's in duration. Wow. Uh, while Brezhnev's rule is characterized by political stability and notable foreign policy success, 
It was also marked by corruption, inefficiency, and rapidly growing technological gaps with the West. Okay. And then Wednesday, April 13th, 1966, United States President Lyndon Johnson signs the 1966 Uniform Time Act dealing with daylight savings time. Oh, God. Bite me in the ass with daylight savings time. Yeah. But don't you always like it when you get an extra hour? I, or not? No. It throws you off? No. They both throw you off? Well, it, because I know I'm going to pay for it in a year or six months, I mean. Well. It's just... It, it just keep it so that it's light later. That's what I think. Keep it like it is in the summertime. Don't change it. So all of a sudden it's 4 o'clock and it's dark out. It gets like that anyway. It'll get like that. Yeah, anyway. but not as much. Do you think they should change it so just keep changing it so it's dark till it's light till 9? Just keep moving no, the clock back. Until... that would be ridiculous. You'd have to change <laughs> it by a minute a day or something. You'd have to change it all the time probably. Yeah. And then April 18th, 1966, were the 38th Academy Awards. Oh. The Sound of Music won Best Picture. That's right. And then Tuesday, April 19th, 1966, Bobby Gibb becomes the first woman to run the Boston Marathon. Woohoo, girl power. Yeah, how about that? To run it? To run it. Okay. And then Thursday, April 21st, 1966, mm -hmm. an artificial heart is installed in the chest of Marcel de Rutter. And a Houston, Texas hospital. Oh, my God. First time ever. Wow. And then Friday, April 29, 1966, U.S. troops in Vietnam now total 250,000. Ugh, what a waste. Yep. And then Saturday, April 30th, 1966, that brings us to your second bit. Mm -hmm. The Church of Satan is formed by Anton Zandor LaVey yes. in San Francisco. So... It, if there was one thing Anton LaVey did, it was stick to his brand. Okay. He was a lifelong lover of the dark and unusual. The dark and unusual. Anton Xander LaVey was about as close to the devil himself as a mere mortal could get. Really? He, play, he even played the devil in Roman Polanski's movie, Rosemary's Baby. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. At six feet tall with a clean... Wait, the guy who started the, the Church of Satan? Yeah. Was in that yeah. Rosemary's Baby? Yep, at the end. He's just like huh. a cameo. All right. At six feet tall with a cleanly shaven head and a movie villain goatee living in a pitch black house, LeVay was the picture of dark and sinister. Ooh, pitch black house. His lifestyle choices just added to the mystique of his physical appearance. After dropping out of high school, LeVay joined Traveling Circus and worked as a cage boy for the Tigers and Leopards. A cage boy? Yeah. Oop. Whoa. Sorry. Is uh, would a cage boy be just like a guy who sits in a cage he or he cleans, cleans the cage or cleans, cleans all the poop yeah. and pee? Eventually, he began to dabble in magic and hypnosis, dabble. a turning point which piqued the young man's interest into the mysterious. Ooh, mystique. Eventually, he moved on from the circus and went on to college where he studied criminology and later began a job with the San Francisco Police Department as a forensic photographer. Oh, that's... Vastly different. And his interest in the macabre quickly turned into an interest in the supernatural. Ooh. And he began to dabble in ghost hunting in his spare time. Oh. Ghostbuster, huh? Finally, he left the department to devote himself full time to the supernatural. Okay, maybe say that sentence again because since you're messing with them. Finally, he left the department to devote himself full time to the supernatural. Ooh. 
His efforts eventually peaked in 1966 when he founded the Church of Satan. Now, Satan? When Satanism comes to mind, people tend to think of a group of spooky people clad in black robes, standing over a virgin's sacrifice, and chanting ancient incantations. Well, it's kind of what you just described with his whole appearance. But the reality is far less cinematic. It's confused with paganism, which is the pre-Christian folkloric religion where you get most of our holidays, but in truth... Yeah, that's the thing, people. Paganism, Christmas and and all that is a pagan holiday, right? Right. But in truth, Satanism wasn't a thing until the mid-1960s. It wasn't even a thing at all. It wasn't even a thing before this. Nope. It sprung from the mind of LaVey, the Church of Satan, boingly, boingly, created boingly. all the signifiers that people identify with Satanism, the inverted crosses, wearing black, and the rituals. Like a pentagram and all that? Is yes. that start now, too? Yeah. LaVey's teachings feel ancient, but they're no older than Star Trek. Whoa, that's Var- a good point. Various histories about the Church of Satan provide different See? answers. Some say San Francisco, others say Los Angeles, but it's clear that wherever LaVey was carried, the spirit of Satanism with him. A bald-headed and goateed musician in Carney, LaVey played the calliope. And have you ever heard of calliope? Uh, it's creepy sounding. It's uh, like... What is it? That's the calliope. That's right. Yeah. I get it mixed with a hurdy-gurdy. Oh, yeah. You know what a hurdy-gurdy is? Yes, I do. What's a hurdy-gurdy? It's another crazy sounding instrument. What does it sound like? I can't do a hurdy-gurdy imitation? All right. Satan. So anyway... He played um, the calliope and organ in carnivals and burlesques throughout the late 50s and early 60s while giving lectures on the paranormal and the occult. Wow, cool. Um, He was an um, occult lecturer. During his run as an occult lecturer, he formulated the idea behind the Church of Satan. Okay, that's where he came up with the idea. He was doing all this weird supernatural stuff. Some histories of the church claim that it began in San Francisco, but the church's website claims it began in earnest after he purchased a Victorian house in Los Angeles and painted the entire thing black to give it the perfect satanic look. Yeah. And that was the black house. The black house. The church's main goal, and this is a little bit about the Church of Satan. Okay. It's to preach self-reliance, materialism, and individualism. So it's sort of like, don't conform and go to church and sing these hymns that everybody else is singing. Mm-hmm. Don't rely on God to make what you want happen, but just do your own thing, make your own thing happen, make it happen. Kind of, yeah. Don't just like wish it to happen. LaVey was aware that he wasn't the first person to think of this kind of philosophy based on putting yourself first. Um, and when he spoke about- yeah, L. Ron Hubbard was. Yeah. Or was this before L. Ron Hubbard? This was around the same time. Oh, so there was a lot of people doing it. When speaking about the church's formation, he said if he didn't do it himself, then someone else perhaps less qualified would have. Whatever that means. So the most important takeaway from LaVey's beliefs is that there's no Satan in the church of Satan. Oh, there isn't. No devil, no demons, no deities. Simply the belief in oneself as a higher power. Well, if there is no Satan, what... Why is it called the Church of Satan? For LaVey and his followers, there's no literal entity named Satan, but rather oh. a symbol of radical nonconformity. Okay. Radical for, nonconformity. For LaVey, Satan, the angel who stood up to God, was the perfect figure to represent pushing back against the herd mentality. Oh. Hmm. For, for LaVey, Satan yeah. didn't represent a spooky guy with a pitchfork who tempted people away from Eden. Instead, he was a free-thinking rebel who went about his life on his own and accomplished goals on his own terms. Hmm kind of appealing when all you think right. of it like it right it's all yes. well and good for levey to spread his gospel by word of mouth but in order to get his teachings out to people he released the satanic bible 
Yeah, it just sounds so Which, evil. A collection of philosophy and teachings by LeVay that underscored his way of life while explaining step-by-step how someone became a Satanist. With the Satanic Bible, LeVay answered every question someone can have about the church relating to love, magic, and the existence of the devil. All right. The Satanic Bible puts forth LeVay's objectivist theories in a collection of books titled The Books of Satan, Books of Lucifer, The Book of Belial, and The Book of Leviathan. Uh. Um, it's a mixture of Randian philosophies with bits of H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, Randian. So based on a Ayn guy Rand. named Randy? Ayn Rand. Oh, I thought it was Randy Sinis. No. A guy I know with a big chin that talks like this. He goes, hey, jerk. He spends a lot of time in strip clubs. All right. Um, while, it might be se- while it might seem that the Church of Satan is the kind of place where anything goes, that couldn't be further from the truth. Really? In the Satanic Bible, LeVay writes a series of rules for people who want oh, to okay. get to the core All of right. what a Satanist is. Oh, I can't wait for this. Let's hear these rules. He's essential. He essentially writes that people shouldn't be able to tell you what to do, whether it's with your mind or your body, and no. you should be able to enjoy your life, whether that means indulging in food, the flesh, or something else, as long as Whoa. it doesn't hurt anyone. The flesh would hurt somebody. No, that means like sex and stuff. Oh, I thought you meant cannibalism. No. There are sins that Satanists can commit, although they're not as based on morality as in Christian ideology. Here's the sins. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. I want to hear the sins. This is what, I, this is what I, I'm here for. Stupidity. Oh, yeah. I'm all for dummy. that. Yeah, that's a good one. Pretentiousness. Yeah. That's, I'm up with that, too. Solopsism, which is that? the... Solops. It's it's like having one eye believing that the individual is first or the is the only the ego is the only thing that America exists or something. First. It's kind of America a America first. Um self deceit. Lying to yourself. Yes. So don't tell keep telling yourself that, see? Herd conformity. Yeah. Lack of perspective. Herd conformity makes me think about you always whenever somebody's dressed really outlandishly yeah. and somebody points at them, you always say, if you want to sing out, sing yeah. out. Yeah, that's not joining with her. Yeah, or might as well join, join the Church of Satan. Um, forgetfulness of past orthodoxies, counterproductive pride, and... Wait, forgetfulness of past... Orthodoxies, like uh, past religions and past teachings of things in the past. Forgetfulness of history, basically. Counter, oh. um, and lack of aesthetics, and aesthetics are like is like beauty. That's a sin. Is the worst things a Satanist can commit? Yeah, is not being beautiful. No, not enjoying beauty. Oh, Levey's philosophy revolves huh. around allowing yourself to be yourself without having to apologize for liking what you like. Huh. At the same time, he stresses the importance of allowing other people the same freedom. Okay. So he was a showman first and a religious leader second. His spooky theatrical act attracted people from all walks of life, especially celebrities who wanted to see what he was about. Yeah. Well, the, Any notable celebrities? I'm getting there. Oh, I'm excited about this. So he, ma- <laughs> he made sure his services were closer to parties than traditional religious ceremonies. That's, you know, that would appeal to more people. I mean, look at Elevation Church. That's like a rock concert. That's and everybody true. gets a He began to host... Book. Theatrical nightclub shows, which he called rituals, featuring topless women dressed as witches and a bikini-clad inquisitor dancing across the stage. I mean, if you told me my church involved topless dances, I'd probably go to church more. There would be nude women lying across altars, and participants were urged to join in the festivities. Now, do the women want to be nude? Because then it could be like... like I know. Uh, objectifying ladies, and then I, that just goes. He'd, place he'd wear a satin headdress topped with devil horns and join mm. the dancers on stage, becoming known as the Black Pope. Whoa. The entire performance balanced precariously between a religious ceremony and opulent orgy. Wait, was he a black guy? No. 
Oh, just like... Because he was wearing all black. I see. The word of Anton LaVey's antics inside his black house of hell spread far and wide amongst the young, experimental generation. His gospel soon traveled to the home of America's most sexually adventurous, morally ambiguous, and religiously curious, Hollywood, California. Oh, yeah. Hugh Hefner. The first big name to convert to the Church of Satan was... You want to guess? Uh, You'll never guess. In the 60s? Yep. Adam West? Sammy Davis Jr., baby. Oh, what? Yeah. Really? Sammy Davis <laughs> yep. Jr. did? The singer, actor, Sammy and Davis. Rat Pack member was well known for his devil may care attitude, which led him to see whether or not the devil really did care. Really? While at a nightclub known as The Factory, he noticed a group of women all with a single nail painted blood red. That night, he found himself at the Church of Satan in the midst of what he called Dungeons, Dragons, and Debauchery. <laughs> Later converts included actor Christopher Lee. A fellow horror guru and unlikely blonde bombshell Jane Mansfield, Whoa, who became that's a, a Church name. of Satan high priestess. What? That's a yes. big name. That's a big get. Legend has it that Mansfield's boyfriend mocked Anton LaVey, who put a curse on him. Whoa. Shortly thereafter, Mansfield and her boyfriend were killed in that car crash. Oh. Though the claims wait. had been denounced as preposterous rumors that the curse still swirled. The Church of Satan caused that. Anton LaVey even pulled his family into the church and made history by baptizing his daughter Zena into the Church of Satan, the first child to be anointed as such. Whoa, Zena, I wonder if she's still in it. Over the years, the church has gained followers in tens of thousands. There was a decline in the 70s after the Charles Manson and the uh, murders happened. Was Charles Manson in this? No. LeVay, however, oh. but he, you know. He kind of perpetuated the yeah. idea. LeVay, however, continued to spread the word of Satan until his death in October 29, 1997. In, oh, October 29, 1997? Yep. In keeping with his specially cultivated image of dark and mysterious, his death certificate lists his date of death as October 31st, All Hallows' Eve. His family says it was to make sure his followers weren't distracted during their most important holiday season. In so either, that's why they had to lie about... When he was... When he died? When he died, yeah. Wait, and October I, 29th, 1997, mm -hmm. the same night that dharma and greg was on that was great i'm glad we waited for that so i got dharma and greg was a show i got most of this from two websites one it was all that's interesting published oh, it in uh, that seems like February a cool 15, website 2018 and then all that's interesting props to them groovyhistory.com groovyhistory.com y'all but i thought that was some fun stuff that was good that was a really good that was a nice one. Like I like the history of it and the interest. There was a lot of interesting tidbits. Well, it's something people don't know a lot about. Yeah, most people. Well, yeah, I didn't know all the intricacies of that. I thought it was one thing and one thing only. And to know that Sammy Davis Jr. was Sammy involved, Davis Jr., baby, stick the jewelry up my ass. I put my baby. jewelry up my ass, baby, because the church has Satan told me to, baby. <laughs> the joke's never going to go away. I do have one thing about the nonconformity thing, though. Like, like. Just the essence of non-conforming. Everybody seems to non-conform in the same way, making them conformists. Like when I was in high school, for instance, the, it was the '90s, and so the non-conformists would do. They all looked alike too. Yeah, like they would right. wear all black and wear right. like uh, like gang member clothes. Like, well, because know. they're they're grouped together, but when they would go out with their parents, for example. That's when they were showing society that they they don't conform. belong with their parents, but then they all dress the same way to nonconform. Right. So it's like the Columbine people and the the trench coat mafia and all that. It's like you ain't nothing in society, but you're all acting the same. Like all right. the goth people would all wear all the 
dark makeup. You could be a the, true nonconformist like me, babe. Yeah, you should be a true nonconformist and, and go to school with no pants on and a giant condom. Wait a minute. A sock over your cock, uh, uh, flippers uh, on your feet, mm-hmm. and then... Um, top you, hat? Yeah, top hat and a monocle and uh, always be Condom bar- hanging barfing. out your butt? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, like no. Yeah, you should have something else, like a hose, like a hose, like a hundred foot foot hose sticking out of your mm-hmm. ass. All right. Or extension cord. <laughs> I think that is everything. Yes. That's it for this episode. Yes. We're in, Thanks for listening. We're now. People. We just finished April, so we'll pick up in May. May June. Uh, when the when the July. Montreal Canadiens defeat the Detroit Wet Red Wings to win the oh, Stanley we'll Cup. Preview. We'll preview. We'll tackle. We'll preview. We'll tackle. And uh, well, they'll. Preview is the Bush Memorial Stadium is going to open next oh, episode. St. Louis, Missouri, the STL. Yeah, don't give it all away. Don't give it Those all away. Those are just a couple things that I see creeping up in the next episode. All right, we got to get out of here, Chuck Berry. But this has been episode ninety-three. Yes, we've been doing this coming up on two years now. Oh my gosh, two years two of years? podcasting. Is we it clearly really? like it. Yeah, because we start. I think a hundred. We're almost a hundred episodes, and so there's it's only. Gotta be. It's about weekly, and there's 52 yeah, weeks in true. a year, give or take. We've only missed a couple weeks. I'm not good at math. So we're coming up on two years. Wowie. Wowie, wow, wow. February we, is we, when we whoa. started this. February of 2018. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, wow, wow, two years. And some people actually like it, so that's so all that matters. That you know? it works for it's us. the people that like it that matter, not the fucking Brent Nelsons of the well, world. Well, they have a place in, special place in my heart, too. Brent Nelson is right. You know, I got to say, the episode, I listened back, I was listening to some episodes on Road Trip the other day, and yeah. I was like, oh, this has got to be the one Brent Nelson hated, because I did not shut up. Yes, but that happens a lot. But I will say this in my defense. There's not much of a A couple defense. of those things were funny that I said. <laughs> a couple. Yeah. And to me, the idea of this podcast is... The fact that you're forcing me to do a true crime podcast. I know, but you but you got to listen. And sometimes you're so busy with a little shtick going on over there that you're not listening. <laughs> but some of the shtick is award-winning. Some no, of it's terrible. None of it's award-winning. Some of it's really stupid. But some of it is hilarious. No. All sometimes right. I crack myself up. I know. I'm glad somebody does. All right. <laughs> oh, 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 burn. Time to go. You mean? Time to go. It is time to get out of here, Chuck Berry. Happy trails to Music you. by Matt Truman, Ego Trip. That's right. Information on this podcast provided by the things Amy said earlier and Wikipedia. That's right. Uh, Beatles press conferences brought to you by YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, this podcast was produced by us history for jerks history for jerks is a small non-profit. oh shut up check us out on americantimelines.org our new website okay historyforjerks.com and americantimelines.org because americantimelines.com was taken Fuck. and you no longer have to be special to have a bad word you have to Oh, nice. Anybody can have it. sound like a. a But it sounds like we're a real. Like we're we're giving back to society. Yes, it does. (laughs) We kind of are. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Goodbye. Samantha, that's a hickey.
Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Samantha!